This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Absolutely thrilled this morning to be back in the DSC office here in Dallas and got Mr. Corey Mason and we're talking about a lot of different things this morning and, <laughs> and uh, finally turned the camera on and said, uh, well, let's, let's kind of record about some of it. Tell us what's going on with, with DSC right now. I know there's a lot of really good things. We've been working on a lot of projects and I know the convention is going full steam ahead. So tell us uh, what's going on right now. Well, good morning, Larry. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Yeah, we've already solved many of the world's problems this morning before we started here. <laughs> Absolutely. We have a lot of things going on here in the office, like you alluded to there. You know, we've been uh, kind of mildly celebrating a recent victory there from a piece of legislation in California that was defeated, Senate Bill 1175, that would have made illegal uh, to own or possess certain species of African animals that were legally taken. And so, uh, fortunately, that was defeated. Uh, and so, we'll probably look forward to that coming back up in a couple of years. But we'll celebrate the the victory of that one, uh, recognizing that it's a little bit precedent-sitting for other pieces of legislation in other state houses as well. Um, you know, always keeping our eye on some of these other pieces of legislation as well. Uh, things like grizzly bear delisting. Um, there's some movement there as well in the West. Um, good, good. Uh, so we're, we're keeping an eye on that, obviously maintaining contact with our state and federal partners on that, from the service to the state game and fish agencies to our federal representatives as well, making ourselves known and available as a resource to move those pieces of legislation forward. Um, and then we have all this other part of the shop of DSC, you know, things like... <laughs> 
membership or we're trying to be able to provide good information to keep our members engaged and informed so that they can be advocates for wildlife conservation and hunting advocacy as well and kind of some neat and creative things that we're moving forward with there you know we've, we've sort of recently launched a new base camp membership um, great membership as absolutely far as and we're we're re- using that sort of as kind of this uh, recruitment level into DSC for uh, just for someone that knows about DSC maybe that wants to know more uh, as well as kind of early career professionals and so we're kind of launching that on a more formal basis right now um, you mentioned convention and that's clearly something that takes up uh, a little bit of everybody's time here and, and all of some people's time here you know uh, and uh, we are full steam ahead uh, we've, we've made a lot of adjustments here we moved convention from the traditional dates in January to February February 11 through 14 this year We've been in contact with all of our partners all over the world, our exhibitors shoring things up. Uh, some real exciting announcements from that is really a compliment to the city of Dallas and what they're trying to do to make sure that people, when they're looking to come to Dallas for an event, uh, particularly like the DSC event, which will be the largest event upcoming at the convention center after the first of the year, um, that they've really met a number of international standards in this accreditation um, and um, that, that really sets them apart from safety protocols cleaning standards, training of staff, et cetera, et cetera. And so the importance of that to someone that's listening to this is the fact that if they're coming to the convention, they can rest assured for the fact that they will be well-received in a safe and friendly environment. Uh, From the airport that's met these standards uh, to the hotels that we work with, through the convention center and all the hotel lobbies and balls and meeting rooms as well. And so not only will they will be received with the Texas hospitality that everybody knows from DSC, but it will also be a really safe environment to come and intend to enjoy. And again, that's to be enjoyed by the family as well, too. That, that's Absolutely. one of the things that I've always really, truly appreciated about DSC. And I go back a bunch of years with the convention, and I remember <laughs> there's a young, there, there are two people. There, there's a young man and young lady that are now in their 20s, but they have come to the convention every year, and that's where they celebrated their birthday. And so every <laughs> every year, we've, they bring a group of their friends together, and we sing happy birthday to the guy while, or the young lady while she's there. But we see a lot of families, too, that are there with, with little kids, and uh, all the way up to older guys, gray beards like me. And, and uh, there's so much going on that there at, at the convention, though, too, isn't there? There is. And, and like you say, the family environment, I just want to overstress that again. I mean, it's truly a family environment. Just a little short side story. I was in uh, Windhoek, Namibia last year for, or maybe two years ago at this point, for uh, the CIC General Assembly. I sat down at a banquet table one night with a young man and his wife, and she asked me where I'm from, and I said, Dallas. And she said, what do you do? And I told her I work for Dallas Park Club. And she looked at me, and immediately she sort of spun <laughs> in her chair, and she said, I got engaged in Dallas at the DSC convention. <laughs> Not the connection you expect to make with no. somebody no. from Europe in Namibia, you know, no, but nonetheless, no. it kind of brings everybody together, you know, uh, but there is really something for everybody there at the convention, you know, from obviously the convention floor that is full of just the finest oh outfitters yes. and artists and manufacturers from the industry as a, as a broad whole around the world, uh, to seminars, folks on the conservation stage that Trigicon very generously supports, uh, to all of our great sponsors that are there, you know, the information that's parlayed out. The great banquets that happen at night as fundraisers, as informational education is disseminated as well, and just fellowship with like-minded people, you know, to support an effort where you know where the dollars are going to go. They're going to go to support conservation. and um, But then there's all just the fellowship that occurs, like you say, you know, and some people, it's just... It's just what the family does year after year is come and they reconnect, 
you know. They, they really do. To me, I've always described it as a big family reunion because you, you walk through the aisles and you, you can't believe all the people that you recognize from the years before. And thankfully, a lot of other people that you don't recognize simply because they're maybe this is their first time coming. That's right. Um, I usually tell people when they decide that they're going to come and, and we try to encourage them, of course. I said, don't just spend one day. I said, yeah. if you think you're going to go to the convention and walk into the floor <laughs> and see the convention or, or see the, the even the, a part of the layout, I said, you're going to find yourself in the, the five hours that you're there, you're going to cover maybe one or two aisles That's right. because of people that you run into, that you want to visit with, the products that are available, the, the hunts that are available, the fantastic mounts that are there, all the artwork. It's just absolutely a, a fantastic event when you get right down to it. What about hotels this year? Uh, I know the Omni is a host hotel and it fills up generally fairly quickly, but there are other hotels that are very, very close to the convention center as well, aren't they? That's right. So we have about 12 host hotels that we partner with directly. And the importance of that is obviously there's a reduced room rate associated with that, but, but maybe equally important to folks is the fact that we provide complimentary transportation that comes and goes throughout the day even for the evening banquets, to and from all of those makes a route through. We obviously provide a shuttle schedule that's available at the front desk of those hotels and in our publications. And so if someone pulls in from out of town and they don't feel like they want to drive downtown Dallas, which I very much understand, park the car <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and get on our shuttle bus. And, you know, very few of them are more than just a handful of minutes away. Uh, and loop in on that bus and it'll take you to and from and you can just be dropped off at your door and it works really well. It, it really does. I've, I've gone to several events at night sometimes and it, it may be at a different hotel as well too. Uh, we've, we've been very fortunate as well when it comes to DSC to have several other activities occur such as the Weatherby Foundation. We do. The Weatherby event is just obviously a wonderful organization, uh, but they do. So they sort of a kickoff event for the DSC convention is on Wednesday evening. Uh, the Weatherby Gala takes place uh, every year. They award a very highly um, very um, coveted absolutely <laughs> recipient to that. Obviously, there's some well-known uh, you know, from a political standpoint as well as from an industry standpoint, individuals that attend that event as a celebration. Uh, and it's a great event. It's a great way to kick off the DSC convention in a really celebratory way. And uh, we're, we're really grateful for the partnership with Weatherby in that. Absolutely. It, it is. There, you, you run into so many people. If you love to read and love to watch, you know, maybe some watch TV from some of the guys that hunted. I know Shockey went it a couple of years ago. And my old buddy Jim Zumbo and I, <laughs> along with uh, uh, a young man who's the president's son. <laughs> Uh, the three of us were able to uh, to present the award to to Jim, which was really kind of a thrill as far as I was concerned. Uh, they've been a dear friend in a lot of ways for a lot of different years, but that's just a small part of everything that goes on. You, you mentioned the seminars in the past. I know we've had some of the most fantastic seminar speakers you can imagine. And there's several that have come to mind that, that really aren't seminar speakers, perhaps, but Hubert Tumler has presented some things about Mexico, which is a great country to hunt just to the south of us. Uh, Maureen Lambrick has been there every year, and yep. what a fantastic lady as far as a, an ambassador to hunting and the outdoors. But there's so many other people that have been there too presenting everything from like Hornady with ballistics. Absolutely. Yeah, so we have some great folks such as yourself. I mean, 
you know, people want to come hear Larry Wysoon speak. Well, you we, know, have, we have fun. <laughs> we have the conservation stage, Absolutely. Which, which we set up several years ago, and it was kind of to keep people on the on the floor and giving them opportunity where they come yeah. by and visit. And usually, uh, Mr. Billy Kinder, who does uh, Kinder Outdoors, who we sponsor through on RFD Radio, actually, and, and Sirius XM. <laughs> Uh, through DSC, but Billy is such a fantastic MC and he keeps is. the ball rolling. And we've had some very informative uh, mm-hmm. groups that we brought up onto the stage. But then we also bring up what we call Meet the Legends, and mm-hmm. it's it's more about several old guys who've been in the outdoor industry a long time messing with each other. That's right. <laughs> Good friends having fun. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm sure we'll have everything set up in that respect again as well this year. Two, I noticed in the years past, and I'm assuming this year we have kind of an Area where there are two different areas that come to mind, kind of the custom gun thing mm-hmm. that people can see. And then also uh, we have most of the conservation organizations there as well, too. That's a great point, Larry. So we do. So I'll start with the con- the association area, which right. is a, it's a row in which we provide those booths, obviously complementary to our fellow association, like-minded organizations. And that's from professional hunting associations to organizations like Boone and Crockett, uh, maybe Texas Parks and Wildlife, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, those kind of organizations and associations that are there, number one, to serve the members, to serve the people that attend, but also to be available for questions and just provide good educational materials to someone that's coming up that has a question for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service about something, or maybe it's bow hunter education, or maybe it's falconry or Boy Scouts of America. You know, we had Philmont there the last couple of years. And so there's lots of different things that are available there. And again, it's a great opportunity for us to be able to provide that to our associations, our, again, like-minded organizations. And then on the other end of the, the giant spectrum there, the convention center, that custom gun makers guild that you spoke about. And it really is an opportunity for folks to come see some of that really fine craftsmanship and have a conversation with a gunsmith about, you know, what does this entail? What does that look like? You know, and, and see that work in practice. It, it really is something to, to really appreciate. It, it, it really is. Some of those guns with the wood. I love, I appreciate what I call plastic and fancy plywood stocks <laughs> on rifles because of the utilitarianism of them when you need them when it's really bad weather and all those kind of things. But I truly appreciate beautiful wood. And some of those guys that we've had there in terms of the, the wood and the stocks that they've done and some of the engraving that those guys do is just phenomenal. And, and as you mentioned, the beauty of it is is you can not only see them, but that guy standing right there, and if you've got any questions, they're always more than happy to answer them. You also mentioned like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. There are a lot of times when I knew I was going on a trip that I was a little bit vague on what, may be the situation in terms of how do I, what's the best way to get this animal back or do I need any special permits yeah. and that has been very helpful and then of course like GOABC it's a great supporter of ours and we support them they're always there and if you have any questions about hunting Canada there's no better source than Scott Ellis and the guys that are in that booth. Absolutely. They're there to, you know, to be that information source. You come by and you stop and say I'm looking for someone for it, you know, a black bear hunt and and Scott will have that list, and he'll know who's in the convention hall of you know uh, British Columbia uh, outfitters, and he can take you and introduce you to them, or answer general questions about hunting season structure, licensing requirements, all those kinds of things. And then he's there in the room as well to support his association members as well. You know, so it, it really is. You know, and you mentioned folks like Fish and Wildlife Service. We're very appreciative of our relationship with an organization Amen. like Fish and Wildlife Service to be able to partner and work like this together. So. And in, in a lot of other things, too, are, are going on. I want to come back to some of the seminars. Uh, those are generally set up in a room separate from 
within the facility, but outside where you have to walk outside to go to. Uh, but the, some of those seminars have been just absolutely fantastic that I've listened to. There are. There's a lot of folks there that come and they're, you know, maybe they're experts in their particular field. Like you say, maybe it's Hornady talking about reloading or right. bullet selection. Maybe it's Craig Boddington talking about hunting buffalo or lion or leopard, you know, and he's obviously a great storyteller. People enjoy that. Uh, it's obviously those kind of seminars are well attended. You know, people really enjoy that. But then there's also things about, you know, uh, selecting optics, things like that Absolutely. that maybe someone takes for granted. But when you have someone that can really walk through that in a technical perspective with you, it's really educational. You know, even someone that's used glass for a long time. And so in um, fisheries management, you know, that was one that we had a couple of years ago that Lockhow did uh, that was really well attended, you know. And it, obviously you can't go into deep biology from predator-prey relationships in 20 minutes, but it builds the foundation in a contact. It builds the foundation. You're exactly right. And that way you can sit there. Okay, that's a question i got to ask a little bit later. <laughs> kind of like maybe I corner them somewhere and do that. And one of the things that I've seen here this year with the, the COVID thing going on, and I visit with several different game departments and game wardens and all those kind of things across the country, is the increase of people who are getting into mm. fishing and hunting. The, the fishing license sales have gone out of the roof, or yes. above the roof, to start with. And I, as we're hitting into hunting season, we're starting to see some of the same thing. We have. We've seen from all the way from uh, gun purchases to fishing license from essentially across, I know all of the southern and eastern uh, states have oh just seen goodness. a huge increase in fishing license sales. Much of the same to be said for hunting license. And so what that directly results to on the ground is, number one, more people outdoors enjoying and appreciating the outdoors. But it also increased, it results in increased wildlife conservation opportunities from those dollars going to game and fish agencies to fulfill their mission of wildlife conservation and fisheries management as well. So those people that are willing to go out there and do that, it strongly supports your state game and fish agency. So a big thank you for that as well as a side plug. Well, you know, there's if you look at anything that's horrible, there's always a silver lining. Right. So sometimes you got to <laughs> dig pretty deep. But I think that may well have been one of the things. This this uh, movement of uh, the locomotor movement of, of people wanting to, I suppose the best way to say is to gather food from a local area, which includes the hunting and fishing side of things. It does. It's that you know, it's that healthy alternative in which they're also looking for. You know, it's. It's a non-antibiotic, non-hormone, all those kinds of things. And it is, like you say, you take a fresh bass or a trout out of a stream or a lake, um, and there's really nothing better than that. Same to be said for that white-tailed deer or whatever it might be, you know, from, from the field experience to your freezer. It really is. Let's go back a little bit. And what, what are some of the – also, there have been some negative things, on that, unfortunately, because of the fact of, of some of the things of, of us not being able to go to African countries and the poaching problems there. And even with some of our outfitters up north, uh, I, have, I had to cancel a trip to Spain. I've had to cancel a trip to Alberta as well, too. Yeah. Uh, I know with, with the Hunter's Care Program, which is a combination, really, of DSC and DSCF when you get right down to it. Tell me a little bit about kind of what's going on now, because every time I see a release about it, it's another huge increase in it terms is. of acreage that's being covered. Yeah, so it, it's been one of the most satisfying things that we've seen out of this really horrible pandemic going on is the number one, the recognition of the need for wildlife conservation to never stop, despite the fact that dollars were not going across to Africa to be put in the field from the hunter's perspective. Uh, you know, travel restrictions and all those kind of things prohibited that. So recognizing the need to fight poaching activities across Africa in this particular case, 
uh, DSC and the DSA Foundation quickly stood up and said, how can we support you outfitters to make sure, number one, that we keep anti-poaching teams in the field? Because unoccupied habitat meant that someone would be sneaking in the back door and oh, yes. running snare lines or leg hole traps or whatever it might be, running fish nets, whatever it was. And so, yes, so we've put... Uh, several hundred thousand dollars on the ground now being the collective we DSC and the DSC Foundation right. through very generous donations as well uh, protecting millions of acres of habitat now across a number of countries nine plus countries in Africa uh, southern and eastern Africa and so that's meant wildlife protection occurred but maybe equally important in very rural Africa it also meant that people maintain employment because those people's sole source of employment was associated with relying on the land and wildlife and if they did not have revenue Essentially, their only choice was to do the thing in which they were fighting against, and that would have been to take from the land and poach in an organized, maybe criminalized way or from a bushmeat individual to put food in your belly way. And so we've been able to check a lot of boxes, make sure that wildlife conservation continued, kept people employed, as well as keeping operators in the field to make sure that they could keep other like logging activities. And when I say logging, I mean illegal logging activities out. Uh, and even mining in some cases in the absence of lands when those people just moved in and essentially squatted, if you will. And so that's been a huge success. Uh, and other impacts to the, to the industry and wildlife conservation as a whole, just like you mentioned, you know, we don't necessarily have to look around the world to see those impacts. We can just look to Canada to see, for example, you know, you mentioned the trips had canceled. I had a trip in August. I was going to British right. Columbia yes. for my first moose hunt. I right. was so looking forward to that. And and it will be moved. It'll be moved a year or two out. We're still working with the outfitter on that, and we'll get that resolved. But, you know, those outfitters that that front those money for those concession fees with the government or state province or whatever it might be, depending on where they are in the world, uh, those dollars are spent, and they're, they're expended. And so they're essentially now just looking from one year to the next to make sure they can maintain those areas, you know. And, and uh, obviously surveys have to occur next year when it comes to certain species like sheep and goats and even caribou and right. things like that. And so... Yeah, it really rolls out significantly. You know, it has a really big fallout effect from from the conservation perspective. You mentioned the hunters care thing. One of the things I'm really proud about with DSC and DSCF is that is a total pass through of money. There are no administrative fees that come out of this. It's and two those country uh, those different countries, but those different operators they too are vetted, aren't they? To yeah. to make sure that that money really goes. To exactly the use right. that it does. We make sure that those operators are legitimate, solid operators. They all have to provide proof of tender that they had quotas issued to them, that they are occupying that concession and those that aren't privately owned with concurrence and agreement and licensing from the government, you know. And I think one of the things, too, that is so often sort of glazed over when it comes to anti-poaching is people thinking, and rightfully so, they think of elephant and maybe lion and leopard and these these animals that get, you know, killed for retaliatory killings. And they think game species, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, Larry. But, but equally important is all of the species that occupy that landscape from birds to fish netting. Uh, and we had a really neat video that was submitted to us by one of the kind of just a cell cam video uh, from one of the operators. And it was an ambush they set up on a, on a road that was leaving a concession going to town. Um, and they caught a guy coming by on a bicycle uh, and uh, obviously, you know, checked him out to see what he had. Uh, and a little bag on his back, he had a pangolin that he had caught, one of the most highly poached animals in the world. And the pangolin was still alive, fortunately. He had literally caught the pangolin, stuffed it in the bag, and he was going to take it to town and sell it for both meat and the scales, highly, highly valued. Uh, and what was so neat 
is because they, they released that pangolin uh, when they got back to the camp into the bush. They right. didn't do it on the side of the road, obviously. And they released that pangolin into the bush, and essentially they kind of did so, if you will, under the, 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 the name of DSC, DSCF, if you will. Perfect, perfect. What was so neat, it was just a great example of hunter's dollars conserving all species of wildlife, uh, as, as we all know that are close to it, but for the world to see that, that hunters touch all species of animals, you know. They really do. We, you know, I've talked about this in the past, that anytime you manage a, whether it's a, whatever the game species is, it's not just that one individual species that benefits. Yep. Actually, it probably benefits less than everything else does in terms of the small animals that are there. And, the, and more right. importantly, a lot of times, the habitat itself, because as long as we can maintain a healthy habitat, we can support a good, pretty good number of, uh, of different species on that habitat as well, too. That's right. There's a lot to be said for that. You know, we, we use those sur- surrogate species. Maybe it's the white-tailed deer right. that's the poster child to invite the biologist onto the property. You know, the next thing you know, when you're talking about prescribed fire, native grass management, those species from invertebrates to reptiles to herptiles to everything else benefit from those sound conservation practices. They really have it. Over the years, I know your background as a wildlife biologist with the TPWD as kind as mine is. And in a lot of those places years ago that I worked with, we would do an inventory of the, of the vegetation and to the to the extent that we could with the animals. And that included mm-hmm. invertebrates and vertebrates and birds, you know, the whole and and let, had a baseline and then started the management program that was designed primarily for white-tailed deer. But over the sh- relatively short period of time, all of a sudden, we started seeing all kinds of different butterflies and bugs and birds yep. and small mammals and, of course, white-tailed deer increasing as well, too, yep. than we ever did. And we had kind of a long baseline. And it, it's amazing when you do management for one of those game species, as, as you mentioned, everything benefits. And the same thing occurs in Africa as well. Too. That's exactly right. You know, when and particularly when you have some of those really large megafauna type species like elephant, that uh, really people like it or not, the elephant have to be managed. You know, they're a highly migratory oh gosh, species. Yes. You know, uh, and the impact they can have on their landscape essentially is you know decades of damage that can happen very quickly in overpopulations. You know, and when you look at elephant populations across many countries, in many countries, elephant populations are two hundred percent plus carrying capacity. What the land can healthfully sustain. Um, and so those populations in the absence of management are not only damaging elephants in the habitat, but it's every single species that occurs in that habitat. Again, down to the to the snake and the gopher that's relying on soil moisture and soil temperature and all of those things that no longer have refuge in the shade of a tree because it was pushed over because there was nothing else for those elephants to eat. And so it's it's really that complex yet simple at the same time. You're right. You're right. Hopefully more and more people will kind of get a little bit better understanding about some of those things because if they did I know that they would look at hunting particularly and, and you mentioned the elephants I saw some figures not too long ago that said the vast majority of elephants in this world today are on in those countries where hunting is part of that program absolutely 90 plus percent 90 plus percent yep so you know if, if you're not into hunting that's fine but be understanding that if it weren't for hunting, I wonder what that population would look like. It would look like Kenya that's just in this absolute declining population because those species, number one, they don't have value if they're not inside the park uh, and they have no tolerance, you know, so it's it's that simple. It is. It, it's really very simple when you get right down to it, but people have to think a little bit every once in a while. That's right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's our job is to try to give them the opportunity with the 
information that they can so where they can think on their on their own rather than somebody telling them how to think which unfortunately happens every once in a while kind yep. of thing that's it yep <laughs> what else is going on with dsc you know we have uh we continue to produce some tremendous publications in which jay and carrie are just producing you know great publications that are informationally relevant to the points that we're raising about being able to Absolutely. keep our membership engaged and informed of current pressing issues and just to have a solid biological understanding of the issues as well as some of the you know, legislative threats associated with that. Uh, so that's there. But on the other, one other side of the shop that we don't touch on a whole lot, but it's just our continued development from a healthy perspective of our chapter system uh, that, that Carson Keys manages for us. And obviously over the last several months during COVID time, you know, there hasn't been travel. So there hasn't been solicitation and building uh, from a foundational standpoint of new chapters really at this point in time but rather those that are continuing to build and, and, and influence conservation within their communities. And that community can be a geographic part of the state or it can be a community like the entire state. You know, we have some chapters that represent, for example, Oklahoma or Wyoming. Right. Uh, another example is, say, for the Northeast, um, an example that actually you and I spoke about this morning in the sense that we have a chapter there that's really engaged. They have their own focus and mission, but we had a, a piece of legislation that was introduced in the Connecticut State House. Uh, that was essentially spoke against the Endangered Species Act. It spoke against lawful regulated hunting. Uh, we were able to engage our membership base there as well as our chapter system, and they stood up very strongly, and we were able to defeat a piece of legislation up there. And so there's a lot of different things that chapters can accomplish other than, you know, enjoying fellowship and all those kind of things. And advocacy work isn't necessarily one of those, but it can be a really key component, obviously very fulfilling. Yes, yes, and extremely important, as you mentioned. And those folks, those people up there in that Connecticut area, and those states, we've got counties to be in Texas that are bigger than what (laughs) that entire area is. But uh, as a joint effort up there with that particular chapter, they've been able to do wonders when it comes right down to it. They have, you know, and working with our partners, Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, as we do on on many legislative and uh, litigation-type pieces of work, uh, you know, they're a great partner for us. But, yeah. You know, those chapters to have the ability to work together. And, you know, I think what's neat about those chapters as well, again, recognizing they represent different if it's a state or a part of a state or whatever it might be, or a consortium of states in this particular case, they have their own sort of flavor and feel, you know, like we have some sort of in the center part of the U.S. that are essentially solely focused on getting youth outdoors, which obviously what a wonderful thing, right? And then we have others that are solely focused on, you know, getting people together and sending dollars all over to the greatest conservation projects they can find, vetted through the foundation to get dollars outdoors to these needed projects in Africa, around the world, local projects supporting, you know, shooting sports like uh, 4-H shooting sports and local game warden technical uh, needs, things like that. So those dollars really go to where they're needed most. They really do. And, and to me, if, if anybody is interested, you, we, we talk about so many different things that DSC does, but unless you are a member and unless you get involved, you will have no understanding how great the scope of DSC <laughs> is. Right. You have to get involved with it to have a better understanding of that. And, and of course, you mentioned I'm going to talk a little bit later with uh, with uh, Nate about the membership drive that's going on right now. But through the chapters, uh, and they can go to biggame.org. That's B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G. And there's a listing there of the different chapters. And it's great contact information there as to how to become a member of those areas. And, of course, too, there's great opportunities to, to form chapters in, in a lot of different areas that we do not right now have existing chapters. And, again, Carson Keys is 
is the individual there to contact. Yeah, we could, we would love to have that that conversation about someone about that was interested in a membership, and if someone's an existing member or maybe are really interested in all of this conversation, they'd like to become a member, and maybe they have a group of six, eight, ten folks around them that maybe could support and look to stand up a chapter. But really, all that is required is that initial call out to us and express some interest. We'll follow up with these are the requirements, these are the needs. We are there constantly supporting and providing and bringing resources and always have a person at each of those uh, events to, to come along beside and help improve and hone and make better. Um, and, uh, you know, we really, we have purposefully not grown our chapter system at an exponential rate. We have self-slowed that for the purpose of growing really healthy, sustainable chapters. And we're really proud of that because those chapters that we have are are successful um, and they're going to be sustainable. And so uh, we'd love to have that conversation with somebody. You're right, though. The, the chapters we have really are truly strong, and they are very, very supportive of, of uh, wildlife conservation in their own areas, but also worldwide, because a lot of the monies that they take in, they have the ability to use where they want to. Uh, I don't think there's any other organization out there that allows the chapters to keep as much money as what TSC does when you get right down to it. That's exactly right. You know, they can they can uh, use them for local projects. They can direct them around the world. And I think of the Lubbock chapter is a great example of oh, that. Oh, absolutely. You know? They where they're sending money to, to Africa for anti-poaching. They're supporting, again, local shooting sports. Uh, they're supplying needed um, technical equipment, again, to like their local game wardens, if it's maybe night vision or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, then they're making themselves available to deal with issues as they arise in the U.S. to be able to help meet those conservation needs. And so, I mean, there's so many great chapters that we have. It's hard to single one of them out because they, again, they, they spend those dollars where they're needed. They really do. Corey, it's been an absolute pleasure with you this morning. I want to come back in about a couple of weeks, and I know by then a lot of things will be added to what we've already (laughs) talked to. The one thing I do want to mention, you you mentioned DSC staff. Uh, We've got 10,000 staff members, right? (laughs) (laughs) I wish. That'd be great. Uh, No, we are very lean and mean and quite proud of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As we all are. We have roughly a dozen folks here that, that call DSC permanently home. Uh, and again, that results from our convention-specific folks, and that's from our auction team to our exhibits team, uh, events manager, uh, and then we have our publication staff of two, um, and then we have one in the chapter side, one in the membership side, uh, and uh, and then really that's about it. And then obviously we have our advocacy manager of Matt, and then myself, and so. You know, we're a lean team. Uh, we, we're highly productive. We get a lot done, and we're really Amen. proud of the fact that, uh, you know, we, we get a lot done with the staff that we have. Well, as I said before, thank you for everything you've done, for what you're doing <laughs> and what you're going to do, because there's, there's a little bit left for us to do out there. There's plenty of challenges. <laughs> Corey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Larry. Proud to be in the DSC office this morning with uh, Nate Watson. Nate is in charge of membership when it comes to DSC. Nate, you've got some fun things coming up, right? Yes, sir, we do. We are gearing up for the convention. We do have a new membership giveaway coming up. It is going to start on October 1st and run through November 30th. If you join, renew, or upgrade your membership during that time frame, you get entered for a chance to win a handful of great prizes. Um, the prizes are um, compliments of Larry himself and our friends at Ruger, a Ruger American rifle in 308. Um, one of the other prizes is a $500 Russell Moccasin gift card. We also have two Bison coolers we're giving away. These are awesome coolers. They have the DSC logo on them. Um, they're camouflage. 
great for riding in the back of the truck and filling up with deer meat this fall. So we have a 50 quart and a 25 quart one we're giving away. And we also have a brand new trauma chair coming out. So um, if you've never used one of those, it is possibly the greatest stand chair you can have. It swivels, um, it's comfortable. So great for dove hunting, deer hunting, whatever you're doing, just drinking beer around the campfire. So we're, <laughs> That's important too sometimes. <laughs> exactly, yeah, m- m- multifaceted tool right there. But yeah, so if you join, renew, or upgrade your membership between October 1st and November 30th, you get entered for a chance to win. Um, if you sign up for multi-year memberships or a life membership, you get um, extra entries as well. So a little extra incentive there, um, just a way that we can uh, incentivize DSC membership kind of throughout the year, um, especially right now because we haven't been able to host events and some really cool prizes are up for grabs. How they go about doing this? How they get entered? Well, there's a handful of ways. Um, you're welcome to call the DSC office. You can give me a call um, here at 972-980-9800. You can shoot me an email at nate at biggame.org and I can get you squared away. Or you can just visit our website, www.biggame.org, and click on the membership tab on the upper part of the page and sign up online. Sounds fantastic. I'll tell you what. What? What? Are, again, this is for the base camp, or is this for a, a full? This is for any membership level. Any so membership level. You can sign up for a base camp membership at 45 bucks. That's our newest membership. Um, you're welcome to sign up for our sponsor membership. That's 100 bucks. You can do multi-year memberships as well. Um, and then life memberships, of course. If you sign up for a life membership during this window of time, you get 20 entries into this giveaway. Oh, my goodness. So, what Beyond the great benefits of being a DSC member, because DSC does so much for conservation, what are some of the other things that are, are part of the amenities of being a member? Yes, you also receive uh, our DSC publications. We have Camp Talk, which is our monthly publication, and then Game Trails, which is our quarterly magazine that you receive. Um, We also host a handful of membership events. There's at least one a month here in Dallas, typically, um, when it's not COVID season. Um, (laughs) But uh, as a DSC member, you also receive emails about all of our upcoming events, chapter-related information, current events going on in the world of wildlife and conservation. And something that we've really started ramping up the past couple of months is offering membership discounts. So we actually just rolled one out on Monday um, with our good friends at Cryptex. So if you're a DSC member, check your email for the promo code and go get yourself geared up for hunting season. We have a couple more rolling out here in the next month, um, uh, two months actually. Um, we did one with Onyx Maps um, last month. And so uh, be looking for those in your inbox. Some great deals coming your way. Nate, thank you very much. If you folks are not already a member of DSC, here's that opportunity to uh, to have a chance at winning several great prizes. But I'll tell you what, the great benefits to being a member is the fact that you are a member of the greatest hunting conservation organization there is in the world and, and a lot of amenities that go with it. And, and, of course, look forward to seeing everybody at the convention this year in February. So, Nate, thank you. We're going to come back with you here before too very long, and maybe we can even find out who the, the primary winner was. Sounds good, Larry. Looking forward to it. Thank you. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Wildlife Systems. Serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots. For the trail less traveled. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. 
Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything Airgun. 